Well, Dak, here's the deal. I'm the best there is, plain and simple. And nobody can hang with my stuff. Uh, you know, I'm just a just a big, hairy American winning machine. You're talking to the Rolex wearing, diamond ring wearing, kiss stealing, woo, wheeling, dealing, limousine right, jet flying, son of a gun. Welcome into the Victory Bells podcast. Gangsters, what's up, guys? Hey, guys. Oh, big golfs, huh? All right. On Red Raider Sports Radio. Well, see you later. And now, here's Will. Great cash, homie. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the latest edition of the Victory Bell Podcast. I'm Will McKay here with my main man, Matt Clare, right from the Hypnotic Donut Studios. Guys, if you're in DFW this summer, I highly encourage you to check out our friends at Hypnotic Donuts, whether you want uh, a, a, a donut, chicken biscuit, or if you're, you're uh, going after something a little sweeter, you can go over to Hypnotic Emporium and get a little ice cream, maybe the ice cream sandwich, all those things. Uh, get on over there and uh, check those guys out, like I said, this summer, as uh, especially as the kiddos are getting out of school and you're looking for some things to do. You're like, hey, why not eat? Right, Matt? I mean, that's always things to do with the kiddos. Absolutely. Kids like to eat, especially sugary donuts and desserts. I can attest to this. Um, you can attest as a uh, as an actual uh, customer of, of our friends at Hypnotic Donuts as well. That's right. And, you know, we'll talk about it later in the podcast, but based on your uh, latest updates, you know, you soon will be too. I, I soon will be too. That is that. that yeah. Is so, I mean, you're now on the hot seat. Uh, you have to, you know, you have to Can show you up. and share? Yeah, you have to show up and you have to eat donuts and ice cream. Can what you a, do it? What a, what a I, I, yeah, I would say, what a, what a challenge for me to I know. sit down Le- and eat something yeah. that uh you know that, that i'm sure just just will will be so hard for me to do just i know james is just gonna have to twist your arm and just make you try these things i mean it's so just, i'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> oh lord but uh in all seriousness guys uh yeah please go check those guys out if you have a chance they're big time red raiders and uh, big supporters red raider sports so go check those guys out speaking of summer matt we're starting to get into that time of the year where, you know, the only thing we got going on right now is Red Raider Baseball, who they obviously had a big weekend in Stillwater where they took care of business and uh, going into the Big 12 tournament here later this week, so best of luck to them. But, but outside of them, I mean, for the most part, your, your, uh, your athletic calendar is kind of in the books here. I know men's golf is going to go try to win a national championship in Stillwater this week. But uh, for the most part, you kind of got things in the books, and we're starting to get into that summertime, Matt. So, I mean, we're, we're really getting hot and heavy into recruiting season here, and for the first time, man, it's it's one of these things where because of the early signing period, this is the first first year where you can take all these official visits in the late spring. You can take them in the early summer, and Tech's Tex kind of seeing the direct effects of this because what we really wanted to harp on and just kind of discuss and give our thoughts on were this visit weekend that's coming up here for uh, the Red Raiders, where it looks like that weekend of June 8th through 10th they're going to host looking like possibly double-digit prospects. So just kind of what's your thoughts on how things have changed, Matt, and, and, and what that might look like and how different that is, bringing that many kids in during the summer? Well, we've talked about it for weeks, right, all the uh, changes uh, to the, the recruiting rules for this 2019 class, and um, that's something we're going to focus on a lot more here over the next month because uh, every program – across the big 12 across the nation is is using this differently i would liken it to the early signing period where every 
kind of program took their own approach to that last year. Uh, this would be very similar. I know a lot of schools made the spring game uh, a huge like uh, visit weekend for official visitors and and what I've seen mostly out of town visitors, uh, which is common for a school like in Oklahoma, even in Texas as they try to recruit more nationally. Uh, but the in-state prospects, I don't know you know how much they've used official visits. Right. But now we're at the point of the year where you know that new rule can start to be an advantage for a Texas Tech. And I think in your one-on-one interview with Kingsbury, you know he he took the good and the bad approach as well. He the the I guess the the, the quote unquote bad uh, was that he could not um, pardon me. The bad was that he could not imagine, you know, coming to campus when there's nobody there and yeah. you don't have, you know, all of the 40,000 students walking through campus and the cities, you know, I don't know, not quote unquote the same, but you know, it's different. Uh, yeah. Right. But then on the on the other side, he said, you know, it's invaluable to get these kids who may not have had the opportunity, you know, whether it's just financially or schedule wise with parents working to actually get out to Lubbock on their own dime and, and spend the time that they need to, to spend in order to make a commitment or make a long term decision. Because when you really think about it um, and I do this often when when trying to put myself in the shoes of a recruit. You know, if you just drive all day from a Dallas or a Houston and you spend, you know, in reality, at most eight to 10 hours around the coaches and then you're in the car more than you're actually in Lubbock. I mean, it's it's hard for somebody to say, yep, that's the that's the college I'm going to for the next four to five years. And that's, I think, why you see just with everything involved in recruiting, you see these early commitments and kids are like, you know, two months later, three months later, whatever the case is, they're like, well, wait a minute. I mean, I kind of made a rash decision there, whatever, well, we whatever. Just saw, we just saw a kid decommit from Cal that Tech offered last week. It, exactly. In in Tech, Arkansas, I think Missouri offered. So, I mean, we're just we're in that open contact period, and and especially it's just magnified now that kids can take these official visits. Right. I, I know I kind of went off on a tangent there, but that's really kind of what Kingsbury had mentioned is that um, it's good for them uh, on the bright side to actually get these kids on campus that maybe otherwise would have only been able to spend like half a day there or yeah. would have had to wait till the fall um, and maybe they lose ground, um, you know, again, not with every recruit, but maybe with some. And so what the interesting thing for me is, uh, you know, they are picking that one weekend. It seems like June 8th through the 10th. Um, and they are going to host, I've heard, you know, upwards of eight to 10 official visitors. And on top of that, there'll be some other unofficial visitors who right. are saving their official visit for a later date. Right. Every right, kid right. has a different approach to that. So, um, those are my thoughts. And, um, you know, again, like I said, more to come on just the overall strategy and maybe a look at what some other staffs and some other programs are doing both in this conference and around the nation. Uh, right. but on the whole, I mean, you know, we always talk about it on the site and I'll let you kind of run with it. But, you know, getting the kids to Lubbock, letting them kind of see everything for themselves and and letting Texas Tech sell itself above and beyond any preconceived notions or perceptions of what it is or is not. Yeah. And and, and I think the thing where, you know, if you're the staff and I think you, 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 these guys, a lot of these guys who either went to school here that are on staff or guys that have been around here at least a couple years, they know what Lubbock's like in the summer, and it's a lot quieter. There's not near as much activity. School Summer school is still going on at Tech, but it's just, it's just a very different atmosphere than it is in the spring or in the fall even. But to that point, in my opinion, that's the case, I think, in a lot of these places during the summer. I think especially some of the smaller towns um, where that, that are more college towns than even Lubbock is because 
don't get me wrong, Lubbock is a college town, but it's also a city of, I mean, 250,000 people without the state in there. Where meanwhile, I mean, we talk about places like Stillwater, Oklahoma, which, yeah, I mean, it's close to Oklahoma City, but Stillwater, unlike Norman, isn't really in Oklahoma City proper, and it's extremely small. Uh, Waco, I mean, is a pretty good-sized city, but it's smaller than Lubbock. You, I mean, you go into the SEC, think about all these, these schools in the SEC and how small a lot of these towns are. I mean, I don't think that Auburn, Alabama is a big town. Athens, Georgia, while, you know, it's not small, is not some huge city either. I mean, there's all these these towns that are, are, are still pretty small, and I think that maybe that won't be as big of a deal maybe as the staff thinks it is because of that. You know what I'm saying? And I think these kids understand that when they come in the summer that there's just not going to be a lot going on because it is during the summer. But at the same time, like I said, Lubbock's a bigger city. I think you can sell them on the city in the summer uh, and just say, hey, look at all this. Look at what all there is to do. Uh, look at how much all these people care about you know, Texas Tech and, and everything around the campus. So I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll kind of see how it goes and see what feedback we can get, either on the record or off the record. But let's just kind of look at, at who we've confirmed here uh, so far, Matt. I believe well, we've got six. I don't want to really confirm anybody because, again, it's it's hard for us to forget. But when we're on the podcast, you know, this is free. Um, but, but okay. you know, we'll, we'll keep some of that back. But the ones that are public, I guess, um, we can we can maybe mention those. Um, I know a couple in particular that come off the top of my head are Markel Reed from Temple and Jonathan McGill from Coppell. Right. Um, both the, the, I, they're all DBs so far that are, you know, public and confirmed. Right. We have a, f- a few other will be post a few others that we'll be posting on the site right now. The difficulty is, you know, charging through who is really an official and who's an unofficial. Because right now I'm more so concerned uh, that that uh, you know we track these official visits. Because for, for me, and I wrote about it last week, you know, I think the common fan, well, the fan on our website, I think. What would you say, like 80 to 90 percent of them absolutely know what an official visit means versus unofficial? I would say but, 90 to 95 percent, yeah. Yeah, so I'd like to just focus on that for a second rather than who is actually visiting. The The, the bottom line is, you know, make sure to come to the site, redridersports.com. We cover this stuff A to Z, you know, back and forth and, and uh, everything in between. So so any recruiting stuff, you know, we'll, we'll get all the details posted on the site. But I think that what's so unique and what's uh, paid attention to, you know, when we talk about official visits, um, what uh, what people need to understand is not only does the, the kid get to be there for two full days, but they get to bring parents, they get to bring family members, and they're going to finish school on Friday, fly to Lubbock, or actually they should be out of school. Hey, so they'll, will be out of school at that point, yeah, yeah, so they'll fly to fly into Lubbock on a Friday, you know, and, and compare that to what I had just described earlier in our conversation about a, a junior day, right? I mean, you drive into town, you're there for what, six to eight hours, Will? And then right. most kids just turn around and drive home. It's I mean, very car, rarely. It's, it's kind of a car wash compared yeah. to a official visit where and I think more so even at other schools because other schools they'll have these gigantic junior days where they have like 50 kids there where they just kind of run you through like cattle a little bit. Sure. But but with an official visit, and I know this is what you're going to get to, but with an official visit, it's a deal where everything is on the university's dime. They're putting you up. Right. Uh, and they vary. If, if they bring you in on official, I think it means a lot more and it shows how interested they, they are actually in you. And there's a lot more... Um, it's a lot more intimate of a visit, I think, than if you just come in on a junior day. 
Oh, one hundred percent. And I think that you know clearly the the coaches are investing in some of these top targets, and so you know at some point in time during those two days, they're going to sit down in Coach John's office, Coach Gibbs' office, Coach Kingsbury's office, and you know they're you know the conversation is going to be you know, on that uh, Saturday evening when they're having dinner or on that Sunday before they leave, you know, can I, can I get a commitment? Right. I know that's a dumbed down version of that, but um, with that many official visitors, like I mentioned earlier, eight to 10 right now, uh, you know, I'm expecting, and that's this kind of where we wanted to to end the conversation, but we're expecting some commitments, right, Will? I I would probably say so. I think that at the very least, I think there's several of these kids that they'll try to close on. Uh, and, and like you said, Matt, there's going to be some more that are going to go up on the site and there will be some more official visitors that we confirm over the next two weeks here before that happens. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that's the reason that you bring some guys in in June is you feel like you've targeted guys that you're very much in on and guys that might be near a decision or that you feel like you can, you know, I, I think coax is the wrong word, not coax into a decision, but I think, you know, try to close the deal on, you know, because if, if at the end of the day, this is sales, right? And you're trying yeah, to like I said, deal. I mean, yeah, I always tell, you know, younger reps or anyone that asks me, like, you you don't get anything you don't ask for, right? So, I mean, again, that's that's kind of going off the track a little bit, but like I said, at some point in time, they're going to sit down with mom and dad and uh, fill in the blank recruit and, you know. They're going to straight up say they, they want you to commit. Yeah, right? I think at the very least you have a conversation of, you know, what do I need to do or what do I need to assure you of to get a commitment today? Like, you, you know, you, that's how you phrase it or that's what you, how you go about it. And, um, yeah, I, I'm sure that they'll try to get, get a couple out of that weekend. And, and, and I think with several of these prospects that we've mentioned and, and some we'll mention on the site here later, I think that, uh, yeah, you should be in good shape there, Matt. But. I don't know. Do, do you think there will be another weekend like this in the summer, or do you think this will be kind of a big one? I think if there is, they're going to wait. I mean, I, totally. I would I would say it's a wait-and-see approach, right? I mean, I don't think they're ever going to get to the limit of, I think it's 54 or 56 total official visitors. Right. You know, that's for the calendar year. Um, but I, I also know that if you don't utilize those 54 to 56, then it's sort of like scholarships. You can use them backwards and it's a, a running tally, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so sort of like your unused PTO, depending on where you work. But, um, all, all that being said, I mean, will, you know, like I mentioned two commits, uh, no new commitments or even class, uh, anything yeah. close to commitment for over nine months now. So you are a uh, uh, a distinguished gentleman that's covered recruiting on this website. Yeah, for the better part of uh, well, I mean, you know, people heard the news and there's a four page thread about you. You're kind of a big deal, man. Um, you've you've covered recruiting for I don't know how many years, but a lot. Eight. So. Okay, so you've seen it all, right? You know to yeah. expect the unexpected, all these things that I've learned. Um, but what is your take? I've got to know on on no new commitments in over nine months. I've 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 never seen anything like this. Uh, I, will, I will admit this is a first, just because in the spring, whether that be anywhere from January to May, you usually get this early on in the cycle a couple of these prospects that maybe you're the first to offer on or, uh, you know, you were the school that they that this kid wanted an offer from. And you kind of get these, what I kind of call like Insta commits in the spring, you'll get a couple of them, even if they don't end up sticking in, you know, December or January, 
can usually get just kind of a couple of these where it's like, okay, well, he, he decided to pull the trigger right after he gets an offer. And you didn't get any of that this spring. And I, I, I you know, I've, I've sat around a lot and tried to think about, you know, why that is. And I think there's, there's a couple of different factors that are weighing in here. I think first and foremost that, yeah, I think a lot of prospects are probably just kind of in wait and see mode with your program and they want to know what the deal is and where things are going. And I think they want some guarantees in some way that you're going to be here past December as a staff. And I think it's really hard to, it's, it's, it's really, really hard to convince kids of that, especially I think whenever a lot of other programs, and it just is what it is, are negatively recruiting against tech and saying, hey, that staff's not going to be here next year. And even if they are here next year, they're not going to be here for two years. Coach Kingsbury's not going to be here for much longer. And there's nothing that you can really do to defend that other than say, hey, all of our assistants have two-year deals. You know, our head coach you know, still has three years left on his deal. And then coach got to work with him from there. But I think on top of that, I think it kind of snowballs into a deal where it's this self-fulfilling prophecy of, you don't have any commits, and now because you don't have any, and it keeps snowballing and snowballing. Now kids, now other kids that maybe have, would have been interested, are saying, "Why is nobody committed? Why are there only two guys committed?" And third, on top of that, you don't have a quarterback commit in the class, which I think, again, a lot of prospects are probably like, "Why is there no QB committed? Why is there this, this, and this?" I, I just think that there are a lot of weird, really weird factors that have kind of played into this deal, and. I don't know. I, I just have this feeling that once you get a quarterback commit or maybe once one or two kids jump on the train that you could get eight or ten in a hurry. Wouldn't you agree, Matt? No, I mean, I do agree. And we've seen it, you know, and, and depending on the perception or the experience of some posters, they'll say, yeah, you know, had a bunch last year and didn't end up with even that much to end the class. I mean, like you you even touched on it. I mean, we, we mentioned it with another prospect who just decommitted from Cal. I mean, it's just the reality of recruiting these days. But I think you still have to you have to play the game. Right. And and if decommits happen, they happen. And, and uh, you know, a wise man once said, uh, what am I what am I trying to say? Uh, you know, everything happens for a reason. Right. I mean, I know that's lame when talking recruiting, but, you know, sometimes it's perfect. Right. I mean, I think Eric Ward tweeted this week that he was like homeless and that's why he drove to tech instead of Oklahoma. I mean, talk about you know, everything happens for a reason. Right. Um, so I, I think that, you know, a lot of the, the interesting part to me is a couple of these guys, you just go through the list and you have kids that were offered, you know, earlier in the year and have already right. been on campus for an unofficial or a junior day. And then you have kids that were just offered two weeks ago that are immediately setting up a visit. So, I mean, it, it's going to range from offense to defense to high priority to new target. I mean, so uh, to me, that's very interesting. And at the end of the day, it's just a lot more movement than we've seen um, in the, the past couple of months. So I think undoubtedly. I think the drought's going to end. I think most notably at quarterback. Uh, I'm, I already kind of wrote it in an article this week, but I'm putting in my call for a quarterback commit next month uh, because the coaches have to make a move, right? They've, they've, they've instilled the strategy of going all in on Zeno for what seemed over eight months, right, on the calendar. Now they've offered McIver. Um, they're working through that relationship, stopping by the school. We'll and get I more mean, details from him. But at, I mean, at this, at this point, is it not a deal where. And it is what it is, it, where you just kind of roll the ball out and you say, whoever picks it up first, I mean, it's yours. 100%. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I don't think they're in a position to wait. I don't think 
that that's a good strategy. And so, you know, we'll just have to see. Yeah, we'll, we'll just kind of have to see what happens here. But I think that if you get a quarterback commit, and, and we'll see if maybe you get a quarterback visit uh, that weekend of the eighth. I haven't heard anything official yet, but I think that certainly could be a possibility. Yeah, I, I think you're. I think if you're a betting man, you can definitely say that a quarterback will be in town. I, I just haven't committed, but I'm fairly certain from a couple people I've heard that McIver's set up for that weekend. Yeah. Uh, right now, kids are doing finals and finishing spring practice. It's a, a little bit of a kind of a gray area. It's tough to to get you know a bunch of detail, but we'll. Get, we'll play phone tag with MacGyver and get all those details. Yeah, we will. You know what I just thought of and maybe will be interesting to me too is with these official visits, do you think maybe there's a possibility that a lot of schools are going to try to host a lot of official visitors in the first two weeks of August before they start school, before they start two-a-days, where kids can come up and visit whenever two-a-days, I mean, whenever practice is going on, uh, when fall camp is going on for programs and things are starting to kind of get back in a rhythm, if that makes sense? I mean, I certainly do. I just think if we're talking about that in the vacuum of, you know, early officials and when kids can take officials, I just think of recruiting in the state of Texas. Uh, A lot of these kids by that point in time have been able to drive to Austin College Station, Waco, if they really want to, Lubbock. Uh, Fort Worth, Norman, you know, Stillwater, Dallas. You know, I mean, so so I guess your immediate um, opposition, right? I mean, maybe it maybe it all the schools that come into Texas and pull talent. I think maybe that benefits them the most. Right, okay. um, but yeah, I mean, we're I mean, we've continued to see that trend right now. Notre Dame and Ohio State. Uh, in the state of Texas are, I mean, they're going toe-to-toe with like A&M and, and UT. I mean, it's a, it's an odd time that we live in. I mean, neither of those, look, neither of those programs are recruiting poorly. Don't get me wrong. But, I mean, it seems like every year since Urban took over, he comes in and takes like two of the very best uh, prospects out of the state of Texas. If not more. No, yeah. yeah, with just a flick of the wrist. And same thing with uh, Notre Dame now. They've got Hunter Spears. And uh, Nana Asofo Mensa, right? Uh, two rivals, two fifty defensive ends from the state of Texas, gone. You know what I mean? So um, I, I just think that you know regionally, I don't know how much that'll impact. Uh, but yeah, schools coming into the state and plucking talent, we'll see. I mean, for the for Tech to land those kind of guys, they've got to you know recruit at a different level. But I think they've got to win on the field first. And I think you know again, the other thing I wrote when it comes to recruiting uh, in general and quarterback recruiting, I think you've posted on the site as well. You know, if you're if you had more job security as Cliff, as you, if you're Cliff Kingsbury and Texas Tech was perceived to be, you know, on the upswing versus, oh, yeah. you know, what it is right now, you would undoubtedly have the the six to eight to ten commits. You would have a quarterback you're, commit. You would have had but, a quarterback commit, I think, two months ago. Yeah, but every every one of those programs that I mentioned, when it comes to these, I mean, because you're going to see a lot of top fives, a lot of top tens, you're going to see a lot of visits, you're going to see a lot of this, a lot of new offers. I mean, all of that, just remember that every single one of those programs, whether it's out of state or in state, they're all telling these kids and their parents that, that you know, nope, you know, they, they're not winning games, Cliff's not going to be there, he barely saved his job last year, yada, yada, yada. I mean, when we're talking recruiting and we're talking the impact of what 2019 is and what it isn't, you know, if we don't talk about that, then we're just foolish. We're just, yeah. we're not yeah. telling it how it is. And so um, at the end of the day, that's what we want to do here. And I think that, you know, while we both agree the drought will end in June, I don't know if that'll look like four commits 
I don't know if that'll look like ten commits. I'm expecting Which it has in the past. It's been the it, it the has. Yeah. It has. It, there's been a big spike. But for me personally, you know, if you can get eight to ten official visitors on campus, you can get two to three of those guys to commit. I think that's a huge win for Texas Tech. They can keep things smaller. They can focus on those guys and holding on to those commitments. But if you're a if you're a fan listening to this, I mean, I, it, those those commitments are definitely going to keep one eye open. These kids are going to take yeah. visits, and I think as a coaching staff, it's tremendously difficult for them to have one strategy or one point of view when it comes to their you know commitments visiting elsewhere or talking with other programs. I mean, I, I was talking about it with Ben last night doing some recruiting updates, but every single, I don't know if it's, maybe I haven't noticed it in years past, but this year more so than any, a kid will post a top five or a top ten. The day la- A day later, two days later, he'll have offers from like three new schools, right? And so it's happened with every target so far. And I think that yeah. – you know, it's just another byproduct of this early uh, signing period, the early visits, because coaches, you know, at these blue blood programs, they're bringing in these guys at the top of the food chain. They're getting commitments and all that rolls downhill. Now, again, you know, different ways to look at that. Right. That opens up opportunities for other kids. Right. Yada, yada, yada. But the other part of that is is if you're a defensive end, um, let's say you're a defensive end, right? And and you know I just mentioned Notre Dame's landed you know two or three rivals two fifty defensive ends. Right. Well, if you put out your top ten and all of a sudden like out of the blue you get an offer from Notre Dame the next day, you know, obviously you're going to pay attention to that. Uh, but to me, you know, maybe being being the skeptic is like, well, okay, how many commitments do they have? Why wasn't I an offer? Like Already. a month ago, you know what I mean? Like, what what about when I got all these other offers? But anyway, not everybody kind of sees that the same. Uh, but I've noticed that more than more and more lately that that we're just going to get inundated now that school's over with these top tens, top fifteens. You know, I'm going to visit these five schools, yada yada yada. So uh, again, uh, take it uh, take it lightly. Uh, don't take it too seriously. Take it and- to the bank. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> it's it's the most difficult thing to really, you know. To see, right? Because I know, I know these kids. Yeah, we call yeah, them yeah. for their opinion on the top ten. We want to know how they whittled it down to ten schools, and then you know, literally before we can do that, they've got two new offers. So and then uh, they, re- they reset the deck, and they're like, "Oh, yeah. well, we'll figure it out." Yeah. So, so again, I mean, we're going to see a lot of that, and and right now, quite frankly, like we kind of discussed. I mean, I think you said it best. Other schools are, you know, they're negative recruiting your program, and there's nothing you can do about that. I think Cliff even admitted it in y'all's one on one. But they've – the only thing – it kind of goes back. The only thing that you can control is is the things that you can control, and it's getting these kids on campus, and it's showing them the program, and it's selling it, and, and it's closing, right? So I think that, um, you know, two or three commitments is absolutely not out of the question. And then once you have some of that, if, if one of those is a quarterback, then that gives you – I in my opinion, you have to have it because it, it gives you something to also sell to these – receivers you're going after to the running backs you're going after you know hey look look who we got to lead the offense uh look who else you know we're getting and blah 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 so anyway that that's i'll kind of end my rant there but but i'm i'm definitely looking at this with a, a huge um microscope you know in terms of how how they're utilizing the official visits what the strategy is i think your original question is do you think they'll do this later in the summer i mean yes only if it works 
right? I mean, yeah, because yeah. they have to pay for the officials. They have to kind of gauge who's serious and, and what they think about an official in Jan- in July uh, versus, you know, like you mentioned, August or, or before the season. So, I mean, again, all this is brand new, so so I can't say for certain. But um, if, if it works and they like how it goes, you know, here in early June, then, then yes, I, I could see them yeah. doing that a few weeks later. No, I, I could too. I could too. I just think that, again, we're still in the testing waters phase of the early signing period as far as how recruiting is going to go, when guys take officials, and whenever schools want to bring guys in. And I think that all these schools are just kind of testing and playing around with different things on when to bring guys in. So I, I would guess, like you said, Matt, that they'll see how this kind of initial test phase goes of bringing all these guys in in early June when admittedly there's not much going on in Lubbock and I think the environment will be really different than in the fall uh not in a bad way personally I don't think I just think a very different way where it's not it's not really you know the hype of football craze part of the season you're kind of in the lull of the summer when things are a little bit quieter um but maybe but maybe some kids like that and maybe that's a different way to look at it but uh we will uh we shall see um Matt you, you brought up something there so we're going to do a mid-podcast audible here because we're extremely professional on, 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 on this show. But you brought up, you know, my interview I did with Coach Kingsbury, Matt, and we haven't really talked about that on the podcast since I did it. So for, from what you read of my interview or what I told you, what, what to you, Matt, as a, as a guy who just read it, and, and for you guys listening, if you haven't read it, go over to Redditor Sports, write it a five-part interview with Coach Kingsbury, exclusive one-on-one, right? Well, personally, I thought he was very candid and open about a lot of things, but uh, for you, Matt, what was it whenever you read that interview with Coach Kingsbury that jumped out at you, or just what were your kind of overall thoughts from all the things that he had to say, or was there anything that stuck out? Uh, no, I mean, well, a lot, right? Because you broke it into five parts, so I won't, you know, go on another <laughs> long monologue here. Right. Uh, but for me, you know, I'm a recruiting nerd, and so. Um, I don't know if it's a cop out to describe it as honesty, um, but I I like how he doesn't sugarcoat anything or give a coach his answer. Right? I mean, he's I think you asked him specifically about the perception that he's playing, you know, coaching for his job, um, and, right. and and you know how that may be affecting recruiting. And I thought he gave a very honest answer. And I think he followed it up with something he truly believes in is that whether, you know, he's the head coach or not, hopefully these kids, you know, can get onto campus and see Texas Tech and, you know, see what he loved about it as a high school prospect and what, you know, a lot of uh, the the fans saw about Texas Tech and, and, you know, the program itself. Right. He obviously wants them to believe in the coaching staff and, and what they're trying to do there. Uh, right. But at the end of the day. Right. I mean, I think he truly is. Uh, you know, you saw it in his comments about the, the the answer about, you know, being inducted in the Texas high school football. I mean, football is like his life, you know, right? I mean, we, yeah. we're we all fans and, and we love football as well. But, I mean, literally from the age of, I don't know, 10, 12 years old, he's been doing football oh, ever yeah. since. And so um, his comments about what it means to him, the fact that, you know, every recruit that's ever visited notices that you know his plaque is in the academic all-americans uh you know part of the the study hall and the the academic support center i mean that is really a big deal to him and so um you know i I just thought his answers were candid i thought that um he understands it And, and really what the feedback i've gotten from some of these top targets is that they don't shy away from that conversation. Yeah. Um, I know for a fact that I've posted on the board that, that Jacob Zeno and his father actually sat down with Kirby Hocutt and they had a conversation about that. And, you know, since we're talking about quarterback recruiting, I mean, 
isn't that the main thing keeping a kid like Zeno from you know or, committing or and giving Maver- a verbal? Or Maverick McIver, the yeah. same thing. Yeah, I mean, so so uh, again, it's uh, it's it's two sides to every uh, story, every coin, all that good stuff. So um, that's what stood out to me, though, is because he could have answered that question in a number of ways. He could have rolled his eyes and not wanted to answer the question, but I thought that you know he was very forthright, and you know, uh, again, he's I think he's going to be asked that question a lot, whether he joins a radio show, whether he joins you for a one-on-one, or any of the media stuff he's going to do going into the season. So. It's it's got to be addressed. No, I, I think absolutely has to be addressed. And and again, I thought that overall, not even just with that, I just thought with, with everything that I asked him about, I thought he was very candid. I thought he was very honest. And, um, you know, I, I, I would just say as somebody that has been around a lot of football coaches and just coaches in general, I just I appreciate so much, I think, who he is and what he stands for and we're going to find out if it's going to work out or not, and and it may or it may not, because I think this is a very obviously pivotal season in his tenure and for what you know Texas Tech football is and where it's going. So, you know, I, I personally I hope it works out for him, and I hope that he continues to learn and grow and, and figure things out because I think that you know just 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 honestly I think he's one of the few guys that I've ever known as a head coach that I think actually deserves a lot of the success he gets as far as the person that he is and what he represents and uh yeah i like i said i hope it all works out for him uh we're gonna find out this year and uh we'll talk about a lot of this this summer matt as as far as the uh as far as you know recruiting goes as far as this upcoming season goes because of what a pivotal year it is but uh but yeah i just wanted to get your opinion on that before we close things out here matt so uh i guess uh before we close this thing out, anything else uh, we want to riff on? Anything else we want to discuss here? Well, I don't know. How long have we gone so far? Oh, about 30 minutes. Oh, okay. Well, I was just going to remind you, the other note that we had was 10th assistant talk, if we want to rip on that for a few minutes. Yeah. No, I, I think we got a couple minutes here where we can. So, yeah, something that uh, you and I had talked about a lot and, and had really been discussed a lot is what were all these schools going to do now that the NCAA approved that everyone can have a 10th football assistant. And what Texas Tech did with that is they hired Brett Dewhurst as the safeties coach. Uh, who, Brett Dewhurst, for people that don't know, he played DB at Tech. He was a GA at Tech and at Houston under David Gibbs. Was in southeastern Louisiana before this year. But uh, there was a lot of speculation, I think, overall, Matt, just in general in college football, of what teams were going to do with that spot. Were people going to use it for a recruiting role? Were people going to use it for kind of an administration role? Were people just going to straight up hire a 10th and just straight up coach? I mean, we, we talked about it in depth before Tech, tech hired somebody, what they might do. And uh, earlier this week, I know a lot of you probably read it, but The Athletic actually did a piece on what everybody did, and they broke down the numbers. So uh, I'm not going to go super into the article because it is behind a paywall for them, and I don't want to take that away. But the numbers they broke down are anything anybody could look up. So that's what I'm going to kind of break down here. Um, just overall, some of the things that stuck out here, Matt, was for the 10th assistant out of, what is it, 130 programs or whatever it is in college, in, in D1 now, in the NFDS, 43 of those programs promoted someone from within, uh, 21 hired from another FBS program, and then 17 either hired from non-FBS or from... Uh, or 
from, from somebody that, that hasn't been involved in Buckley before. So I thought that was going to be interesting. The more interesting one to me, and the one that really stuck out to me of that, was this, where, well, what would be your guess, Matt, just before I say it, as to, okay, whenever everybody hired, they specifically hired this position. Well, what do you think that position is, before I tell you what it is? I mean, I would guess like uh, special teams or, um, I don't know, added a defensive, uh, defensive coach. Yep, you are exactly right. That's exactly what they did. So good job, Matthew. Yeah, um, thank you. But specifically, the most hired position was a DB coach where, where, where 24 coaches got hired uh, either as a secondary coach, a specifically cornerbacks coach, or specifically safeties coach, which I thought was interesting. Um, because that was the most at 24, and then the second most at 17 was special teams, which I think does make a lot of sense. But I think for me, Matt, let's just kind of let's kind of look at this real quick. Where 43 schools just kind of straight up promoted from within. Does that surprise you at all that that was the thing that a lot of programs did instead of going outside of the box and hiring somebody from somewhere else? No, because you have the haves and the have-nots, and the haves are the uh the i don't know for lack of a better term that top 10 percent where they're just making money hand over fist and uh they can come buy your coach i think you saw that with ohio state they basically bought the uh washington state defensive coordinator yeah. and gave him a co-defensive coordinator title so um you know i mean there's no reason to sugarcoat it again haves and have nots um i i don't think you know, I don't say that to be negative because I don't think you and I ever expected tech to go and do something crazy. I mean, no. all we reported was that it, it would be, you know, a low key hire, just like, I mean, you look at Carl Scott, right? I mean, when he came in, he wasn't a heralded hire. Uh, everybody was mad that we were just swapping coaches with uh, Louisiana tech. Right. Well, and, and, you know, and in his limited experience before that, well, guess what? Now he's the DB's coach at Alabama. So, you know, I guess your opinion doesn't matter, right? <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so who are we to say any of this stuff? Um, but, but yeah, I would, uh, you know, we joked before the podcast, it's kind of like a uh, tech loan Dewhurst to, uh, uh, that that other program for a, a one year and and uh, and then recalled him back right, yeah. um, but I think you know Gibbs specifically you know he likes his guys he likes his guys that know how he likes things done and for him to like he said step into that full time defensive coordinator job with no you know I say no not as much responsibility day to day for the DB uh, DBs you know it, it does help your program um, and I think that. You know, I'm a big proponent of opportunity, right? I, I think that it's been proven out. Uh, I'll just call Oklahoma State out. I mean, Gundy loves to hire these guys with no experience. Nick Saban just hired the UTSA defensive coordinator. Uh, I mean, you know, opportunity is opportunity. You sink or swim in, in any walk of life. And so, you know, I think a lot of people made those splash hires. Um, but at the end of the day, even with the Washington State guy, who came from Missouri to Washington State as an as a, a defensive assistant, climbed his way to defensive coordinator, had an impressive year. You know, he gets a job at uh, Ohio State, right? The UTSA yeah. guy has the same background as Carl Scott, basically. Um, he gets uh, hired after a few years at UTSA by Nick Saban takes Carl uh, along with him. I mean, this coaching carousel, this coaching profession is wild. I mean, you look at some of the guys that Tech hired. I mean, they hired the uh, the special teams assistant from uh, Ohio State. And he was, I think, yeah, yeah, I mean, so out of conference, out of state, all of that. I mean, you know, you're packing your bags and you're moving to Lubbock, Texas. Same thing with Kevin Johns. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, I mean, um, it's wild. It's unpredictable. Uh, but in terms of the 10th assistant, we always kind of thought, you know, high school guy or, you know, FCS level coach. And I mean, that's what happened. So I think the cool thing is, is Dewhurst is already familiar. I mean, he had to recruit his tail off from a, uh, a social media and a text and a, uh, you know, long distance relationship standpoint um, when he was a GA at tech. So he's not unfamiliar with their methodologies or who the you know people in the room are. So I think that gave him a leg up, but most, most importantly on the field with the DBs, I mean, he knows what coach Gibbs philosophies are. He knows how he wants to coach. And, you know, furthermore, he knows, you know, what fits in that defense. So him and, and Jennings work together. He played five yeah, yeah. in the secondary. Yeah. Yeah, and so it just gives him a leg up in, in hitting the ground running. And so I thought that was a no-brainer. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Across the conference, you know, Oklahoma hired Shane Beamer from Georgia uh, to come in and, and be a special teams coach for them. You know, that was considered a quote-unquote splash hire. Um, but, again, you know, we're talking about a, a salary level of, you know, in comparison, right? I don't know exactly what Dewhurst got. But, you know, when we talk about Beamer at OU, we're talking like $450,000 a year. Yeah. So there's no way. That that tech you know was was ready to spend that much on that tenth position, but no. you know we'll see. We'll see. Um, the other interesting thing, and you brought it up, Matt, was that I think I thought and you did too that maybe a lot of these schools, especially in Texas or other talent-rich states like maybe Florida or California, that maybe some programs would hire a high school guy to maybe try to lure in some, you know, to lure in some prospects and do that. Only three programs in the country hired a high school guy as their transition. Was that surprising to you? Because it was to me. Uh, no, and I'll tell you this. So we were talking about the uh, the, the site that produced this article about the 10th system. I actually read one a few weeks back about how the there is a – I don't know the ins and outs of it, but there's a rule now on hiring um, – coaches or trainers and then also recruiting that you know so for example the from guys that, that program from that right the guys that went to join baylor that first um this initial you know i guess initially they can recruit you know and bring those kids in but now that the rule has changed you know that particular like i don't think joey mcguire can recruit at cedar, cedar hill, hill. Yeah. For two years or twelve months, I don't know the exact rule. We'll have to look that up. But but no, it didn't surprise me because you know now there's that rule is so sticky, and so maybe you maybe where that was you know a little more uh, alluring, you know, because it, it was a combo kind of package. Uh, you can't do that now, right? Like yeah. like so essentially to to break it down for tech fans in the easiest form possible, you know, Cliff could not have hired Emmett Jones today and also taken a few commitments from Sock, you know. Shortly thereafter, or Mike Jinks, or Mike Jinks, whenever he right. hired him from Cibolo, he could not so, have gotten kids from Cibolo. Yeah, correct. So, so you know, yes and no, right? But, but again, I go back to if there's a coach like a Joey McGuire who's absolutely ready to make that next step and could be a beast coach at the college level. Same thing with Emmett Jones. Kirk, still hire. Kirk, you, Kirk you know, Martin, yeah, who went to Maine, yeah, who went to So you still got to hire him. You know what I mean? And and you know you just got to abide by those rules. That's all. But yeah, that's why I didn't see. I didn't expect okay. a huge spike in that. Okay, I got you. No, interesting, interesting. Um, the other things that stuck out to me were 13 schools hired a tight end coach, which to me, in my opinion, means they just hired a second offensive line coach, which I thought that made a lot of sense to me. Um, but the other thing, and you and you touched on it, Matt, where a lot of these schools hire assistants, so they wouldn't have to like have a coordinator, like a 
like how like how with with Alabama they hired Dan Enos from uh, who was at Arkansas who'd been the OC at Arkansas as the quarterbacks coach, which now allows Michael Oxley to just be the OC without a position, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, it's like I mentioned with Gibbs and Dewhurst and that freeing Gibbs up to do some other things. I mean, not that he didn't have ample time before. It just gives you more, you know, on-field technical coaching and teaching. And so um, I think it's a good thing, you know, regardless of who you hire. Um, A lot of coaches, you know, and I don't – maybe you were going to get there, but another – Another part of, you know, when you consider the, the, the internal promotions is I know, for example, at Baylor, they promoted their director of player personnel, who was right. like a behind the scenes recruiting guy. They promoted him to a secondaries coach. Now, I don't know enough about him to say, oh, yeah, he always wanted to be a secondary coach, but he's a really good recruiter. And so if you get him on the road and you get him in front of coaches and in front of players now, I mean, that gives you another leg up. Right. It's kind of like yeah. the old, uh, you know how good of a defensive line coach was Prunty, you know, compared to how good of a recruiter was he type of philosophy. I'm not saying, you know, either which about either guy, but same conversation with the, the individual I'm, I'm mentioning here from Baylor. Yeah, no, man. I, I mean, I would agree with you that, you know, it's, it's, it's exactly that kind of thing where I think a lot of these schools probably take somebody as the 10th assistant who, yes, while they're going to coach a position, you probably give them a smaller position so they can either just help with that position and be a recruiter more so, or you know just to split up more responsibility. Which is why I think you saw so many DB slash CB slash safety coaches hired, and so so many quote unquote tight end coaches hired uh, because those guys can split up responsibility with a position on top of I think being recruiters. So um, yeah, I, I just thought these numbers were interesting, Matt. And uh, any, anything else stick out to you about this, or uh, or, or just kind of anything that you that really just jumped at you, at you about what all these schools did? Say that one more time. I'm sorry. I'm going on mute because my, the guys are here mowing my lawn, so I don't know if you can hear that. <laughs> uh, maybe a little bit. Oh, uh, this, is, uh, this, this is the life of uh, recording a podcast and, and what happens. Yeah, you um, know. Then. My dog was barking at him earlier. I mean, you just you roll with the punches. You, you do. Um, no, but just what I said, Matt, was, was there anything that surprised you about the 10th hire? Anything that surprised me about the 10th assistant hire just in general or at yeah. Texas Tech? Just in, just in general. Or, or at Tech, we're going to do her. I mean, like I said before, I knew it would happen, but... I mean, cause so so I'm not comparing Washington State and Texas Tech directly, but like, how would you have felt if David Gibbs got hired as the co-defensive coordinator at Ohio State, and you had to get a new defensive coordinator again? You know, just when you thought you had some continuity there, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's surprising in that fashion. So uh, that would uh, that would suck. And so, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, it, it happened to the tech staff, right? Uh, Coach Scott got poached um, and a few other guys went elsewhere. So, you know, I, I mean, I think it's good for the game to have more coaches on the road and on the field. But, yeah, I mean, that's really the only thing that surprised me. Yeah, so uh, I, I, I would agree with that. I think that's the only thing that, that really surprised me. Other than I guess I still just thought that more high school coaches would get hired or I thought that there would be more of these guys who maybe took a role where they're on staff and they're not really necessarily a coordinator or a position coach, 
and more so you just hire them to be quote unquote you know like associate head coach where they basically are a recruiter or they're helping you know the head coach with coaching duties or doing more you know unspecified which there were two hires made that were unspecified and I think that was you know kind of part of it but um Overall, I, I think that a lot of this made sense as far as the 10th assistant hire, and, uh, and yeah, I, I think that a lot of it made sense. So uh, I guess, you know, one more time, Matt, I think before we get out of here, anything else that we want to, uh, want to cover or anything else we want to jump on here? Well, I mean, no, I know the cat's out of the bag on the board, and, and you've uh, you've got some life uh, news to share with us. I don't know how much you want to share on the pod, but just wanted to, uh, I guess, you know, wanted to let our uh, loyal listeners and, and subscribers at Red Raider Sports know that, that Will and I are going to continue doing this. He's not... Uh, he's not even leaving the state. He's he's gonna be on the internet. Uh, yeah, so so and he's going to to continue to watch sports and specifically Texas Tech sports. So um, nothing's changing there. We'll we'll continue our podcast. Um, I think while your role at Red Raider Sports is changing, you know that's the same at the site. You want to try to you know do what you can with us. But but yeah, I mean, I'll let you kind of take the floor, man. Now that the cat's out of the bag a little bit, maybe yeah. maybe tell your side of the story here, Will. Yeah. Um. You know, I think, you know, admittedly, there's just been some, uh, you know, there's been some life changes of mine that uh, have gone on here in the last, you know, in, in, in the last few months and, and some things, you know, have changed. And I think for me in life, it's just, it's the right move for me to head on from Lubbock and, and move on to Dallas, which for people who don't know, I'm moving to Dallas. And, uh, you know, that has nothing to do with me not loving what I'm doing in sports. Absolutely do love it. Uh, just Just think it was my time for uh, for my next stage in life and, and like i said uh still going to be around stick around still going to be doing uh things for redditor sports here in june and july i'll probably take a little bit of a step back other than doing the podcast i'm for sure going to keep doing the podcast the next two months but uh with everything else going to take a couple steps back and uh you know just just trying to get my feet under me before i get back in the game but uh but yeah gonna try to you know help us out with some recruiting coverage here in dallas that we haven't had before and uh, gonna gonna still do some some football coverage for you guys and do some breakdowns with maybe some more time that I'm gonna have on my hands. So so yeah, I'm still gonna be around, but uh, yeah, excited about my next stage in life, Matt, and uh, ready to see what things hold because uh, I'm really excited about the next stage. And, and, and like I said, not not leaving the side. Well. I just wanted to, for one, wanted to say congratulations. I knew the cat was out of the bag, so I figured I'd let you kind of talk about it a little bit. But no, man, um, very well deserved. Um, glad to glad to hear we can continue the podcast because without you, I don't know how to upload this. I don't know how to edit this. I would be lost. So uh, no, but 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 on a serious note, congratulations. Uh, enjoy your vacation, and uh, that's all I have. Uh, and thanks uh, thanks for uh, listening to the podcast, guys. Yeah, guys, thanks for listening to the podcast with Lawnmower Man going on in the background as well. uh, Oh, man, what a throwback to that movie. (laughs) I'll go back on mute. See ya. All right. Thanks so much, guys, for listening to the podcast. I'm Will McKay. He's Matt Clare. Hope you guys have a great rest of your week.